Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary peoples alike, you know what that music means. It's time for another amazing, fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 70, ladies and gentlemen. 70 episodes of Wired Up. I can't believe it. It's fantastic. Uh, This is another installment, I suppose, of the Take It Easy book club, but... This is the first time in the history of the Take It Easy podcast that we have gotten to speak with the writer of this amazing, fantabulous book. The book is The Art of Taking It Easy by Dr. Brian King. And who are we talking to today? Dr. Brian King, the author of The Art of Taking It Easy, which you can find on Amazon with the link in the bio if you're interested in this. Or you can check him out on YouTube, you can check out his podcast, all kinds of good stuff. All that is in the description to today's episode. Dr. Brian King is a psychologist and a stand-up comedian. He wrote this amazing book that, no, had nothing to do with the fact that we're the Take It Easy podcast. It had to do with my interest in psychology and why we think the way we think and improving myself in my own daily life and figuring out why it is I behave the way I do and maybe managing stress a little bit better is one way to look at myself and think about how this could impact my life. And so this book was amazing, so amazing that I wanted to reach out to Dr. King and ask him to talk, to chat for about an hour or so and he obliged without begrudgingness um, I ho- I really enjoyed it. This conversation was better than anything I could have hoped for. Uh, stand-up comedians are always great. I should probably start to get more comedians on the show so that we can talk and laugh a little bit. But anyways, point being, Dr. Brian King wrote this amazing book, and it was a reason to chat with him. We talk a bit about the book, but we also just talk about the world at large and life and children and all kinds of fun stuff, even though obviously I'm a 19-year-old kid. We still talk about all these fascinating pieces of life, as well as his amazing book that you can check out anywhere that podcasts are found. So this was beyond all of my wildest imaginations. This was an amazing, amazing conversation for an hour, little over an hour, and we get to share that with you here on the Take It Easy podcast. And full disclaimer, I apologize for why I sound kind of tinny during the conversation, but uh, that's just the way that my headphones ended up working out. So here is the master of taking it easy on the Take It Easy podcast, Dr. Brian King. Support for the Take It Easy podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. 
They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and today we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TIE, that's T-I-E, at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIE, T-I-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TIE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Work. Uh, I, will <laughs> warn, I will warn you in advance, uh, my family's in the room. Uh, oh, they've been, awesome. They've been instructed to be uh, as quiet as they can be, uh, but I have a four-year-old girl and and, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I feel like this is not your, your podcast isn't probably isn't going to be damaged if she interrupts us. But I'm just any interruptions you. from children are encouraged at this That's, point. That just adds volume to it because it sells the book. A lot of the yeah. book has to do with Alyssa. Exactly my point. Exactly. In fact, I was even saying that before before I sat down here, I was like, OK, you guys are featured very heavily in this book. Uh, it's probably not going to hurt it if you interrupt or say something, you know, or if you're off camera, like Sarah's over there. Uh, Alyssa's right there. These are characters. These are, these are characters that you've read about. Uh, you of know? course. These are like characters in my head at this point. They're just, they're, they're fictional characters that I love that you can just point across the room and be like, okay. Right. Okay. Right. Like very few writers can do that. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not like Tolkien was saying, like, Hey, there's Frodo. And there's, uh, you know, Gandalf over there. You know? <laughs> Sorry, you're a sports guy. I picked probably the nerdiest reference uh, you could that I could have picked. Uh, so, but I, people will appreciate <laughs> it. If I don't get it, I'll just roll with it. <laughs> I, I can't think. I can't think of any fictional sports characters. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I mean, if this may be the unofficial official starting point, just because I was going to introduce you as. It's different than what we've done before because yeah. Dr. Brian King, he doesn't go by Dr. King because that's, you know, the other Dr. <laughs> King, but Dr. Brian King wrote a great book called The Art of Taking It Easy, and we are the Take It Easy podcast, but I'm just interested in psychology just from a nerdy standpoint, so this is really cool that Brian is uh, joining us on the show because I don't always get to talk to the authors when we do these Take It Easy book clubs, so... This yeah, awesome. I, I, uh, I'm glad you reached out, and uh, you know, I, I'm interested in the 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 take it easy aspect of your of your podcast first of all, uh, because I I know where I come from when I say take it easy, but then you say, hey, we're the we're the take it easy podcast, and then I go to your podcast page, and it's like you know, sports, 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 sports. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh, I'm like, that's to me. I don't. I, where does take it easy fit into to your content? Well, Take It Easy had always just kind of been the name when I started off doing the podcast. I've been doing this for like two years or something. And 
it just kind of became the name as something like, look, we're just going to have fun and just enjoy yourself for, you know, 20 minutes. And then that podcast evolved into 30 minutes and then 40 minutes. And then it became a daily podcast. And now it, the pandemic happened. So then you had to adjust in the pandemic and people just liked when we did like long form stuff. So to be honest, the podcast has just evolved over time from that initial point of, hey, we're just going to take it easy and talk sports for, you know, 30 minutes for gotcha. Tuesday afternoon or whatever it might be. And then that's just gradually evolved over time. And uh, mm-hmm. to be honest, the name probably just came from me in my head needing a name and coming yeah, yeah, up yeah, with yeah. it in about 30 seconds. No, it makes sense. I got it. Yeah. Cause I, you know, it, it's funny when you think the thing, the evolution of things like from their starting point, you know, like Amazon is no longer solely about this river in South America. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they now sell products like books. And that was a bad attempt at a joke. That was awful. That was I awful. got it. I got the joke. <laughs> you got it, but you're nodding as if you've just received information. I'm very aware that Amazon.com started devoted to the river in South America. Yes. No, that's... <laughs> Oh, boy. this man knows how to bomb a joke ladies and that's gentlemen. right that's right when you bomb a joke though you know the thing is a lot of comedians will bomb a joke and then they move on to the next one i draw attention to my bombs uh you know if i if i if i if i lay one i want people to smell it uh yeah, so i'm gonna i'm gonna just dwell on that bomb joke and just make fun of myself in the process that's that's just how i do yeah. One of my go-tos on that is just to say at a certain point you've already dug yourself in a hole so you might as well just keep digging it lower and hope that you reach China at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I keep milking it until finally it gets some kind of laugh. Whether or not they're uh whether or not they laugh at my original premise or they laugh at the fact that this idiot is still trying to explain why Amazon it was a funny thing to say. You know what I mean? It's like a eventually it gets or I just run out of stage time and they kick me out. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you just do, <laughs> this is one of the cool parts. And, and I love stand-up comedy is another thing that I nerd out about, which is perfect for this book because you incorporate jokes in there that just have me, you know, a little chuckle here and there. Yeah, like, good. And this is the idea is that if you learn to bomb, because stand-up comedy is one of the hardest things to do because it's literally like you are putting all your vulnerabilities out there to be judged, which that yeah. can take a toll on people who, you know, take it personally or whatever it might be if they bomb a joke. So yeah, having yeah. five minutes of just a bomb set, I think is awesome for people who just do that stuff. Stand-up is, uh, is, is not for people who have thin skin. And, uh, and what I'm finding is that neither is uh, publishing books. Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, most of the reviews that I come across about my book are pretty uh, positive, you know, and then every once in a while, somebody has a, negative experience or or something hurtful to write or whatever and uh oh man i just want to i just want to start an argument with you know what i mean i'm just like i was like what do you mean you know you clearly missed what i wrote on page five you know like uh, (laughs) yeah like uh like i i need to learn to to be uh as a as an author i need to learn what i know from stand-up which is to not take it personally you know what i mean like when hundred people give you a five-star rating and one guy is like it's a one star and then i that's it's that guy 
that I think I want to go talk to. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, or my going? response to that is when it drives down the rating numbers and you go to like 4.5 instead of yeah. five, I yeah. then like reach out to five people. I'm like, could you leave a five-star rating? Could you leave a five-star rating? Can we just <laughs> right, get the, right. the number back up again? <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, I wrote this book uh, and, uh, and, and you read it. Uh, yeah, you well, I'm, I'm technically in the middle of chapter nine, but I think oh, I got okay, the, okay. the gist of it. <laughs> oh, okay. don't read chapter 10. It's terrible. Uh, don't, uh, <laughs> just, just skip it. No, I don't even know. I, I can't even remember what the numbers correspond to. <laughs> yeah, right now I'm in the, uh, I'm in, let me just pull it up right now. I'm Obviously, it's an online book, but yeah. I'm in the, the idea of practicing positive thinking. And oh yeah, are, that's, a, that's that's a fun chapter. Yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. <laughs> Teaching me about practicing positive thinking here, but yeah. for the big gist of the book, though, is bears in traffic. And you mentioned that you wanted to title the book "Bears in Traffic," but then right. decided to opt against it. So that part's probably the big thing. So I guess we have to get that out of the way before we go sure. into the nuanced stuff. Sure, <laughs> bears in traffic. So it's funny. Uh, I I did actually. I mean, I wrote that. In the, I I share things in the book of which is kind of meta from my perspective, like from the reader's perspective, not everybody picks up on it. Some people, uh, you know, when they're reading, then when they read it, they think, uh, and I've read these in reviews, you know, it's like, uh, they think I'm being sarcastic or narcissistic or whatever they, whatever personality, uh, very, you know, characteristic they ascribe to my writing. I do it because I think it's like an overall meta joke to talk about the process of writing the book in the book you know what i mean uh mm -hmm. and so so uh so that's you know that, that's where i am with that uh and that's why i i bring those that stuff up um but yeah so uh i forget now what we were talking about it was a uh, bears in traffic <laughs> bears, bears in, in traffic. traffic thank you so i mentioned in the book uh that i wanted to title it bears in traffic i don't think i really ever wanted to title it that you know again this is just like uh you know the the book is um uh, written from first person includes references to me and my life and stuff like that, but it's not entirely factual, you know, it's not a diary, you know, and so, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I never really wanted to title it that, but I did toy with the idea, and I wanted to have bears in traffic somehow on the front page because it is so prominent to the theme, you know, the theme is, uh, is you know, at, at that point in my life, I was calling it uh, my stress book, uh, you know, that was the title. It was like a placeholder title. You know, I had it as a my stress book, and as it uh, as it evolved, I did have a chapter that was uh, very up in the beginning. I think the first chapter was called like "Of Bears in Traffic," which introduces the whole concept, and then I had another chapter further down called "The Art of Taking It Easy." And uh, when I turned in the manuscript to my publisher, it still was not titled. It still said, you know, my stress book. And, uh, you know, we were, we kicked around title ideas and, and then one of them had a good idea. It's like, why don't we just call it, you know, uh, the art of taking it easy, how to manage traffic and bears and what, and I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. Why didn't, you know, why didn't I even, that, that's a great, a great title. So the title came from me, but it was put together by, you know, one of my, one of my publishers. And, and so the whole thing of bears and traffic, uh, to, to people that haven't read my book, the whole idea about bears and traffic is, uh, then I use these two examples of, uh, of, of types of stress that or types of situations that generate stress. And they're very different from each other. Uh, bears are threatening animals. You know, it's an attacking bear, not a 
bear that's at the zoo all placated or you know it's a yeah it's one of those like white people jogging in the forest kind of (laughs) yeah yeah you know and i i think i even referenced yosemite uh national park because i've seen lots of bears at yosemite uh but i've all you know it's whatever bears in the in the wild uh attacking you chasing you uh you know uh, impending to do something damaging to you uh that's a bear attack you know bears versus traffic which is something like you know, we all know traffic, we all sit in it, rush hour, whatever. Uh, and those are two situations that cause us stress. And, and, and it causes stress uh, from the brain's perspective in the exact same way. And that's the thing that, uh, that I like to point out is that the, uh, the stress we feel when we're being attacked by a bear, the stress we feel when we're, when we're in traffic, it's all, you know, um, uh, stimulates the same areas of the brain, uh, you know, it has the same physiological reactions in the body and so forth. It's the exact same thing, but interpreted very differently, obviously, and there's different consequences. You know, a bear represents something that's extremely threatening to us, and traffic represents something that's really not that threatening at all. Uh, at the most, it's like going to inconvenience us, make us late or whatever. Uh, but yet we respond to those things in the exact same way. And in the modern world, we're much more likely to get stuck in traffic than attacked by a bear, you know? And so, but yet we live with stress. We experience all kinds of stress. And, and so the, 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 the reason why I talk about these two things is because I want people to appreciate when the stress they experience is more like traffic than a bear. You know, it's like, uh, this is something, you know, I'm, I'm stressed about this deadline to, you know, I got to pay taxes, you know, I'm stressed about, ta- I got to I got to file my taxes. Well, is that a bear or is that traffic? You know, it's not, they, I'm not, they're not going to kill me if I don't get them done. I mean, they, they, you know, they might penalize me or whatever, but you know, what I'm saying is like, it's not as serious as a bear. If I allow my body to get worked up and, and if I'm suffering physical problems, I might want to reevaluate how I interpret uh, this, this situation, this, this tax, you know, the, this tax time, uh, you know, filing, whatever. So yeah, bears in traffic. It's all about being able to tell, tell the difference between what's important and what's not important. Yeah, when figuring comes, out. Yeah. Figuring out how to manage each of those. Most people, man, most people are, uh, you know, every person uh, suffers stress, but the people who really uh, suffer from a lot of stress and seem to be stressed all the time, uh, a, a good chunk of the things that they stress out about are not actually worth stressing out about. Uh, and that's another thing that I point out in the book too. Now, contextually, this is pretty weird. Uh, I'll admit, because it's hard to say these things given the year that we've just experienced. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, people have undergone some terrible situations this past year. You know, people ask me all the time, would I change the book if I was writing it during the pandemic? You know, in the face of like, you know, yesterday we had the George, George Floyd, Floyd verdict, uh, you know, uh, and there's, of course, a, a whole lot of stress and, and difficulties associated with that situation, everything that happened after that, and, so, and even stuff that's still going on today and, and you see in the news every day. And people always ask me that if I would, if I wrote the book, would it be any different? And, uh, and the answer, of course, is, is those things are important issues. Those are difficult things that we've dealt with, but they, the, the mechanisms that we use to manage stress are essentially the exact same thing. You know, it wouldn't be very different. It would just be a different context, you know? And that's what I think is important to understand. It's like, they're, they're, terrible things happen all the time. Uh, really bad things happen all the time. Uh, and, but our uh, repertoire 
of, uh, of, of be, you know, mecha coping mechanisms uh, doesn't influence, you know, it doesn't change. You know, it's not like I can go, you know, it's not like suddenly here's a brand new tool that we're all going to use to deal with stress. I mean, we, we deal with the pandemic the same way we dealt with traffic in the past, you know, the same mm-hmm. way we dealt with being attacked by bears in the past. So yeah, because uh, for yeah. a large majority of us, it's not life-threatening outside right. of the people who the pandemic actually was life-threatening. That's more of a bear. But for sure. the grand majority of us, a lot of the, the circumstances are traffic and socially constructed right. and a lot of it in our own minds. And that's what makes me sometimes uh, hesitant to talk about this stuff in the, in the current context, because I know people are really under that sort of stress umbrella you know what i mean it's like when you are under all that stress you don't want to hear some guy say hey take it easy <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like it's not a, it's that's not the it's not the answer to your problems uh and, yeah. and, and but that's exactly the point of the book managing stress doesn't mean solving the problem uh it just means changing how the problem affects you you know and what, uh, somebody recently asked me about how would I, you know, uh, how would you, what would I say to somebody if they were talking about the stress of like a, a systemic, you know, racism or systemic issues that they're dealing with in, in their, uh, in their society. And I was like, well, you know, it's like I, the, 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 the coping mechanisms don't change just because the situation is, is qualitatively different. Uh, you know, the coping mechanisms are the same. You use the same mechanisms. You know, it's just unfortunately your situation might be different. Your interpretation of what's a bear might be different than my interpretation. But ultimately, uh, you know, the method is the same. But again, that feels shallow. That feels shallow and it feels empty to say in the present context. Uh, yeah, and even- and managing that is the important part is that this is not like this is not like a, a, a fix your life kind of thing. It's just giving mechanisms to help you right. work through this stress, which you mentioned the, the coping mechanism idea. And I myself, after reading the book, started trying that because I've noticed I have a couple of those coping mechanisms. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to play basketball or sometimes it's just picking up my phone and going through Instagram because we're yeah. all just a little bit dopamine addicted and so <laughs> we are we're, we're yeah that's we're 100 percent dopamine addicted uh anything yeah. that we would be addicted to is related to dopamine release in our brain but i like that you mentioned basketball first because that is so high there's one of the healthiest things we could ever do for ourselves is get some exercise and yeah. uh it's something that i that i talk about on a day uh, almost you know when i used to tour before the pan- the pandemic robbed me of my livelihood uh I mean, I, I was a touring public speaker and comedian. I'm now sitting on this couch uh, seven days a week. Yeah, set up, <laughs> set up like a cigar lounge. That's in, right. uh... I should do that. I should do that. Uh, no, that's why I like, oh, are you available for a podcast? Hell yeah, I'm available for a podcast. What else am I going to do during the pandemic? You know? Yeah, it changed the way that we book podcast guests and yeah. things like that. It's just... Yeah. What else am I going to be doing during the day? Uh, man, in the beginning of the pandemic, not to derail our conversation, but in the very beginning of pandemic, I was asked by a group to do a talk uh, about uh, laughter and stress management, you know, and uh, they, they, they couldn't pay. And I, whatever, I didn't expect them to. It was just a little thing, but I had nothing to do. So I signed up and said, sure. And then they told me the other guests that they had gotten for this thing. And I was like, are you kidding me? That guy, you got him <laughs> like that. Like I couldn't, I, I would never imagine that I would share a panel in real life with some of the people that I've done a podcast with, uh, you know, but mm-hmm. then the pandemics, everybody's available and we all have time, you know, 
And uh, like a friend of mine is doing, oh, a friend of mine's doing a show with, uh, I forget now, but some extremely well-known uh, popular comedian. And my friend who I'm, who I'm thinking of is not that at all. You know, I mean, yeah. very, <laughs> very funny. And he makes a living doing comedy, but he's doing like the club circuit. You know, he's making, he's scraping by, you know, he, has, he hasn't had movies and TV appearances, things like that. Uh, and I forget who it was, but I just saw like, they're doing a show together on Zoom. On the, and I'm like, yeah, it's, crazy world it's the great equalizer the pandemic yeah. you know, everything's like, changed now that there's like total accessibility and i guess skype yeah. has always existed but now it's just becoming a part of everyday life because right 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 and uh, everyone and so, knows how to use zoom so yeah when you hit me up i'm like yeah sure i'll do of course i got time <laughs> <laughs> well that you, was the that was the vote of confidence i was looking I, for right no <laughs> actually i was actually really excited because i was like hey cool it's the take it easy podcast i've heard of that no i haven't um uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not there yet we, we do fairly well for ourselves but we, I, we're not I noticed that. that yeah i noticed that you got a, a, a good chunk of i could i can't see your listener stats but i could see yeah i could you i could infer it five star yeah. ratings That's exactly i could infer for it by all the ratings and you had like 300 something ratings on one site and i was like oh wow if you because i know like uh you know thousands of people have read my book and that might translate to like a couple of ratings and so yeah i know like you know in that in that realm and so and i also have my own podcast uh which gets like no viewers or no listeners <laughs> and so uh, well you can find the link to that in the bio of today's episode description oh, as well as yes. the link to the book for dr oh, brian perfect. king the art of oh, taking man. it easy Oh, plug my podcast. If I can get some of your listeners to come on over, I'll start recording more. I promise. I really yeah, will. Yeah, you definitely want males in the age of 14 to 27. <laughs> That's absolutely what you're looking for. <laughs> I don't talk about video games, unfortunately, but, but I, I, I occasionally interview strippers and burlesque dancers. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's, I think that's the way people want to want to uh, consume media from strippers and burlesque dancers to listen to audio. <laughs> I love that you're saying that with your daughter across the room. That's absolutely. Oh fantastic. yeah. Well, you know, I, she, she's a comedian's kid. Uh, you know, so she has, she has heard a lot. I actually, uh, it's, it's people's perception of me changes depending on how they find me. You know, so you mm -hmm. found me through my book, you know? Yeah. I found you and through your book and uh, it was, it was the book of the month for the library. So I was able yeah. to get it easily. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what your perception of me is, but at least from my book, you know, that I'm a comedian and I'm a, and I have a degree in psychology, you know, uh, some people, when they find me through, uh, like my seminars, right. Uh, they find me through seminars. So they think, oh, this guy's a psychologist. And then, you know, and, and then they start following me on social media and then they see me public, uh, postings that would be more like what a comedian would post, uh, you know, and then they get all pissed. <laughs> they, get all, <laughs> they get all mad. You know, it's like, I can't believe the psychologist is posting podcasts that he talking, you know, where he, or videos where he does this and this. I'm like, well, I, I'm more than a psychologist. You know? So he posts <laughs> videos where he talks to strippers and they're confused exactly. by how that's going on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and so like, why is a psychologist who told me how to manage stress uh, posting this thing? It's like, well, I also told you I was happy. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, there's a there's more than one way to make yourself happy. That's for sure. That's uh, kind of what this is, isn't it? Like this, your your book doesn't necessarily meet what people are looking for when they show up on a Sunday morning looking for sports <laughs> content. But you know what? Yeah. I'm a unique individual with unique interests, and this book 
it got me to change, which is what I was talking about before we did all this fun <laughs> derailing, which I love these conversations more than the, the questions about the book. They're just for my own interests. But <laughs> well, I will, I, I will, I will allow you to get to those. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to, I tend to go wherever my brain takes me. Uh, that's you know? kind of what this thing is, is that you start. That's what conversations are. You just start in one place and then you end up talking yeah, about strippers exactly. and YouTube videos. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, I cannot stop thinking this. When I look at you, I, I see you look a lot like Mr. Beast. Uh, do you know who that person is? I'm going to need to Google this real quick. Okay. He's got 10 million uh, subscribers on YouTube. He's probably one of the biggest YouTube channels out there. I just keep seeing you and I see Mr. Beast, which is... Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Beast looks like a Kyle. That sounds about right. Do you think, uh, do you see the resemblance? Yeah, I I do, and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it was a flattering resemblance. <laughs> I, I, see, I see the resemblance there. Cheeks, a little bit of patchy facial hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little widow's peak going on, widow's peak yeah. action, but I don't know if I like the resemblance. <laughs> Well, you know, the guy's, uh, the guy's killing it on YouTube. Uh, so at least there's that, you know, if you, nobody ever says you look like somebody that's not successful, you know? Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's a hey, fair you look fair. a lot like this guy who works at the uh, Taco Bell down the block from my apartment. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. nobody, uh, no, nobody's going to make that comparison. So at least at the very minimum, you're being compared to somebody who's extremely successful on YouTube. You know? At the very least they're successful. I don't even know what, what do they do on YouTube? Let's see. Yeah. I guess that makes, about, that makes a lot of sense. They do a lot of uh, well. I don't want to. I don't want to plug somebody. He doesn't need our help. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like our own help. But yeah, if there's one thing I've gotten good at over like 700 hours of podcasting. It is shamelessly plugging. I've gotten very good at shamelessly plugging. Yeah. Now let's sh shame. Play, let's shamelessly plug our stuff. We don't need to direct people over to that other yes. site. Yes. Check out Brian's podcast with the link That's in right. the bio to today's episode, as well as checking out his book, The Art of Taking It Easy, available everywhere that you get books. Check the link. Um, Oh, man, you are as really well good as at all that. of our fine sponsors here on the Take It Easy podcast. <laughs> you are really good at that. Let me tell you. Oh, man. So anyway, so uh, so I sorry to derail by saying you look like Mr. Beast. But when you mentioned YouTube, I couldn't hold back because I see you and I'm like, ah, oh, this guy is, you know, is going to make a, a video or so. I don't know. He does stupid stuff on this channel wouldn't that be wouldn't that be the ultimate <laughs> reveal is that this is going to show up on yeah. ten thousand you you, followers yeah <laughs> you pull off a surprise this is really mr beast you've been pumped dr king i don't know what the <laughs> all you been, get is like a hundred downloads on the podcast That's what I you've been you. beasted uh that could be <laughs> <laughs> that could be his thing <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I was trying to. I put for those who can't see. I put my hands in the face to hide the cringe. <laughs> the cringe of a forty-eight-year-old dad joke. Oh man, yeah. That being a dad, being a dad has definitely impacted my uh, my 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 sense of humor. I will say it's like that was one of the lines that made me laugh the hardest in there. Was um, you're talking about. People would ask you if you were married when you were talking about not having stress and taking it easy. And you said, yeah. uh, I'm trying to remember exactly. You said that, uh, of course, I'm happy, I think, was the line. I laughed so hard right. at that. And then come to find out two paragraphs later, hey, my <laughs> wife, 
have a child yeah. and uh, still happy and taking it easy for the most part. Yeah, uh, I, uh, it's funny. People, uh, you know, it, I, I, I was happily uh, single and childless for so long in my life, you know, and, and, uh, oh man, did I really like it. Uh, <laughs> I love, uh, I, I really do love my family now and I wouldn't trade them for anything. Uh, and actually, uh, them on the other side of the room. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually they, they, they left, uh, to give me some privacy. I, th I think they went back into my kid's room and now they're playing. Uh, but no, I wouldn't trade them for anything. I really do enjoy being a father. Uh, my, my, I really do. My, my partner is wonderful. I really think she's just the best. Uh, but, you know, I, I avoided uh, I, I, fatherhood. I, I was never interested in having a kid. Uh, I never really, it, it wasn't something, a big desire of mine. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, I actively took steps to avoid becoming a father, you know, for a long time. And uh, man, if, if I had any idea, like people would say like, you know, once you have a kid, it changes your whole life and it's so great and blah, blah, blah. I had no idea. I was, I had no idea exactly how awesome it would be. If I had any idea, I would have done, I would have knocked up the first girl I could, uh, you know, I would have been like, I'd have been like no condoms at like, you know, from the beginning, uh, because it's great. It is so great. Uh, now I'm saying that granted, I'm, I'm like in my four, I'm a, I'm an older guy. And, uh, you know, if I was 18, maybe my situation would be a whole lot different, but, uh, having a kid is just, it was just awesome. I like, I, I kind of wish I did it sooner, you know? One of the things you talked about in the book to bring things full circle is talking about like parenting and how parenting plays a huge role because one of the one of the things that I was like thinking about throughout the book was the idea of like 50% of your you know 50% of your like state of happiness comes from genetics 10% comes from circumstance and 40% is your thoughts and behaviors which mm -hmm. I guess I heard similar type things, but hearing it like that was something that I had to take note of. And you talked about, you know, modeling resilient behavior is the best way to help your kids become resilient. There's this awesome story of your daughter at one and a half in New York going uh, over the the little things that blow the, the steam up or the smoke up. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Conquering her fears at a young age and like working her way through it was that idea of resilient behavior and I'm fascinated in parenting as someone who has just recently been unparented basically and is now off in their own version of the world it's what do you mean you've been unparented like like somebody came and removed your children <laughs> <laughs> as someone who's been set free into the world and is no longer you know adolescent like oh I see how, man how old are you <laughs> 20 Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was just born last week. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny. I've never heard anybody life. describe like I've been recently unparented. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a weird way of doing it. That's I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna have to feel the shame of that one when I go into That's a, I I, I kind of like it though. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Uh, so you as someone who's recently become uh, matured into re being responsible of their I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's just I, say unparented someone, is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's that thing where I'm very clearly not a parent, but also yeah. just so I'm interested in the idea of parenting and, and parenthood because yeah. it's somewhere that we as a society are like super inefficient at. <laughs> if we got better at parenting, I feel like it would solve a lot of our issues in society. It definitely would, at least for those people who have those issues. You know, when you say society, 
you know, a society doesn't have, doesn't have the issues. It's individuals in society, you know, but, uh, but it is a society, you know, issues become a societal problem when you start affecting other people, you know, like or if you're gonna ra- about, if, like millions of children yeah in like if you're gonna raise a psychopath uh and that psychopath isn't gonna go out and harm other people well then that's kind of your thing you know you raise a psychopath and that you know that's it but if they if that psychopath then goes out and does psychopathic things affecting it becomes a societal issue you know so but yeah it's an individual thing and like i think people uh i think we you know as as child rearing in general you know there's like them there's things that people hear there's things that well you know they say this they say that you know they say you should i'm like who says that uh you know like well they uh, well there's no evaluation of the source when it and and there's no real appreciation for is there actually a source or is that just something i think that i think that other people want to hear me say Uh, i don't know it's just it's weird but in general yeah i think we do have a problem with rearing children yeah, I think we do. Uh, and uh, and as the you were talking about the uh, the situation in New York, so I'll uh, I'll share it with the the people that have not read my book yet. Although you should, if you're listening to this, you should definitely pick up my book and read it. Uh, but the uh, uh, there's a point in my book where I, I talk about taking my daughter to New York City for the first time, and uh, there's um, you know everybody's seen the iconic. Uh, images of Marilyn Monroe with her skirt blowing up from this movie that she did. I forget what it was, but if you're like uh, if, 14 years old, just Google Marilyn Monroe's skirt. There you go. There you go. And, uh, and so most uh, people are familiar with that. If you've, if you've been in New York, you know about the sub, the, the steam grates the, uh, that where the air from the subway escapes from and the streets. And if you've never been in New York, you at least know that there's these grates that blow up air occasionally and uh, will blow up Marilyn Monroe's skirt. Uh, so these, um, uh, my, my daughter, who's uh, barely walking at this point in her life, is walking all around and she walks up to the edge of one of these grates. And, uh, you know, when you, when you walk to the edge of the grate, obviously you can continue walking because there's a, there's a metal grate there, but because it's, it's a grate, you can see through it and you can see down and you know that the floor has basically just been removed, you know, like, right. You know, if you can look straight down, you can see that that goes pretty far. So this is her first time encountering something like that. And, uh, and she immediately stepped back from it, got really afraid, you know, because obviously it looks like a, you know, a really significant drop, you know, I don't know how deep this one was, but this is like Times Square. And so, uh, you know, she's, she's walking, having fun. She looks down, she's like, oh my God, I don't want to fall. And so she backs away from it, you know, and uh, she starts observing people as they walk out on it. She starts observing herself. She starts testing it. She goes over to the edge and like plants her foot, you know, and once she realizes this, she can securely walk on the grate that was covering that pit. Well, then she just runs out and starts dancing on it. And, uh, and I don't know if I captured completely like how happy she was at uh, discovering that she can cover, conquer this fear but she like uh, she's out there running around. She's she's spinning on it. She's dancing on it. She's grabbing me by the hand. Come on, daddy. Come on over here. Like she wants me to go walk on it with her. You know, she wants her mother to go walk on it with her, you know. So we're all just like stupidly, you know, like dancing around like this subway grate in the middle of Times Square. And uh, and I and at the end, you know, she's like, OK, OK, we got to go. And she's like, no, I don't want to go. Like she was so happy. <laughs> 
that she had uh, conquered this initial fear and, and and discovered something new about the universe, you know, and that was so that was a, a great moment to me. And I use that. I like that uh, I'm able to have a kid and observe her behavior in a state state of my life where I have like an education behind me, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, normally if, you know, if I was younger, again, different experiences and so forth, I would still probably see something like that and think it was interesting, but I wouldn't see it within the context of knowing a little bit about how the brain works and how we, uh, you know, encounter obstacles and how we learn from them and how, and so I was able to like apply some of the knowledge or some of the stuff I use about, uh, about resilience and about how we handle stress to use this very basic example from my daughter you know, about conquering a fear and being able to, uh, to you know, not only uh, uh, figure out a problem, but then derive happiness from the solution of that problem. You know? And we all start that way. The thing I always, I, I think, the thing I like to point out is that every human being starts out uh, th with that capacity. You know, we all start out with, uh, you know, with brains that are just open to experiences and to learn things and to, you know, to uh, reinforce different types of behaviors and so forth. And, and uh, we all start out that way and we all have uh, this incredible capacity and then it just gets channeled and funneled and directed into some, you know, as we, as we grow up into an adult and, and that's, you know, we start to, to, you know, add in like anxieties and issues and, and negative thoughts and all kinds and doubts and self doubts. And, and that, that stuff just starts to carry weight. And that inhibits us from as an adult, like I have a, a good family member, who's afraid to try certain types of food. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, a, like, she's afraid to try sushi. So they don't cook it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the whole point. They don't cook it. You know, when you cook fish, it doesn't change that much. You know, it just gets, it, it's like, and plus it's like when it's raw, it's actually pretty, it's really tasty. You know, it's not like you're eating a bloody piece of cow. You know, it's like, a, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's fish is, is, is very different in its texture and there, you know, the uncooked yeah. fish is, is, you know, and so anyway, so the whole idea that it's uncooked means you won't even touch it. You know, we're talking like a 40, 50 year old adult uh, who is, who can't, uh, even visualize trying it, you know, even everybody else, Hey, it's great. Uh, oh, and she likes cooked fish, <laughs> you know, yeah. but she can't eat the raw fish and like, and, and like, it's just stuff like that. It's just a, a simple example, stuff like that. So we go from being willing and able to conquer the world and try new things and, uh, and, and, you know, experiment. And, and we do, we, we all go from that state of mind and then somehow we make it to a state of mind 40, 50 years later, where we're like, oh, my God, you don't cook the fish. I can't possibly eat that. Uh, you know? Yeah, we kind of revert to, to like our childhood instincts of fear kind of taking over. Yeah. But but that's a weird thing for me because we all have hangups as adults and we didn't have those hangups when we were younger. Where did we get them? Mm -hmm. You know, well, we got the intervening years is what what did it to us <laughs> you know a lot of it a lot of it is social constructs because just yeah. as they develop they can then be adjusted and molded and you, you gave the disclaimer in the book like mental health disorders and things like that change the equation a little bit so right. i just wanted to acknowledge that on the front end right. but it's like a lot of it is social constructs and you know 50 percent genetics and 40 percent of it comes from your environment it's right. interesting to see all of these different changes and 
for myself to kind of view it from like a, a like 12th floor view is kind of why I'm interested in psychology is like, look yeah. at things from the bigger picture and why it is that we do the things that we do. Right. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. And I, I like that you picked up on that as uh, there is so much flexibility in our own happiness. There really is. And people don't recognize mm -hmm. it. They, uh, you know, they think uh, I'm a victim of my genetics. That's, you know, most, you know, well, what am I going to do? Right. My father's depressed. My grandfather's depressed. You know, my, my, I guess I'm going to be depressed. Uh, well, yeah, you don't have to be, uh, you know, 50% of your, uh, of, of your depression is attributed to genetic factors, you know, and it, there's a lot of research that shows that, you know, that you know, we can only the maximum amount that we can really attribute to your genetics is about 50%. Uh, the rest of it is circumstantial and behavioral. Yeah, like, what do you circumstantial and behavioral? So circumstantial is the small portion that like, well, I'm depressed because I just got fired, or I'm depressed because my girlfriend broke up with me, or you know, or you haven't like had a lot of interaction in a year because there's a global yeah. pandemic. You just exactly. haven't been exactly. You know, that's the thing. I, that's the hard thing for me right now is I like I can't say well a small percentage of your depression is because of this pandemic that is massively wiping. You know, it, it's yeah. a, it feels much larger than that. But the real reason why we're depressed isn't because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. It's because of how we interact with those circumstances. You know, how we behave and the thoughts we have as a result of those circumstances. You know, and so that's where the behavioral comp component comes in. And if you can change the way you think and if you can change the way you behave, then you have a lot of control over a good chunk of your, you know, your, your tendency to become depressed. So and one of the things I learned from you on that is if you change the environment you're in, sometimes it can change your mental state. Yeah. And what I was talking about with basketball versus phone was kind of my thing where when I like powered off my phone and like put it away, I like felt myself every time I felt like a stressful situation. I was like, grab the basketball, grab the bike, grab the basketball, grab the bike. It happened like 20 times during the day. I'm like, I don't have like time to do all this, but in my mind I could recognize that reaction happening right in front of me where it's like my reactions to stress can be adapted and evolved. But like you said, it, a lot of it is change. And then I myself believe in the idea of like the infinite mindset where just because you failed one day doesn't mean the next day inhibits anything as long as you have the, the will to keep pursuing it and the resources. But in right. something like this, there's resources, I guess, are just time. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough thing. Uh, it's like this again, it gets back to, you know, something else I say in the book, where it's just like to be able to recognize problems you can solve versus problems you can't, uh, you know, and so. Uh, if you, you know, if you can't, I, I can't do anything about the fact that I'm not able to tour right now, uh, you know, or I can't do anything about the fact that, you know, there's this pand this pandemic going on that's affecting lives. So, you know, you do what you can, uh, and as long as you're doing what you can, and you're not dwelling on the negative aspects of what you can't, then uh, you're okay. And that changes your mindset. I really do like the fact that you keep going back to uh, exercise oriented things. I mean, I tell people every day, exercise is the best thing you can do for your health, <laughs> your mental or physical health. You know, most people talk about exercise with regards to uh, its impact on your physical health, you know, like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to lose some weight and, and, you know, I got to go exercise, but uh, it, 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 your motivation to exercise could just be simple as I don't want to be depressed anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't like being anxious. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like having these weird negative thoughts. Uh, you know, and exercise 
is the is directly tied to uh, our cognitive functioning in our brain. You, the more you exercise, the healthier your brain is, which is something that you know people don't massively understand. You know, people don't. You know, academics understand it. People that are avid exercisers probably have some understanding of it. You know, they understand like the runner's high. You know, you get a nice feeling. Yeah, the endorphin kick feels different than the dopamine yeah. kick, and people can exactly kind of feel that. So you kind of have some understanding of it, but uh, the general public, I don't think really appreciates that, uh, the, the, the connection between exercise and brain health. And uh, it's something that I talk about all the time and I, I, I don't do as much exercise as I feel like I should, but uh, you know, it's, I, I wish more people would just you know, go for a walk, uh, you know, get, some, get some exercise as a, instead of, you know, it's like, oh, I'm feeling really depressed. I have to take this medication or I have to smoke this joint or whatever. Yeah. You know, we just, 420 was a couple of days ago. So marijuana is all up in my head. <laughs> is it legal where you live? I don't know. Where are you, Kyle? Yeah, we're, we're out in California, but it is, uh, oh, it, yeah, yeah. Te no. Technically not legal because of my age, but you know, yeah. we, we celebrate 420 out here. <laughs> I'm in Texas, uh, and uh, yeah, no, they're very, they're, they're still very anti-marijuana, but thankfully there's Oklahoma. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because I, I didn't know you were back in Texas, because I just know in the book you were in Colorado at that point. Yeah, yeah. So when I wrote the book, I was in Colorado. Uh, I've, I've lived nomadically uh, for about five years, and then the pandemic hit, and when the pandemic hit, you know, when, when they tell you to shelter at home, and you don't have a home, uh, well, then you kind of, you're left with some choices. And so my, 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 we, we thought about it and we we're like, well, where can we go? Uh, that seems to be the most inviting right now, you know? And uh, early on in the, in the pandemic, like California was, was out. I mean, <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going back to California. Are you kidding me? Everyone's leaving California to go to yeah. Florida and Texas. I know. It's like, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I'm surprised. I, I still have friends in California and I'm super surprised that they're there. Uh, honestly, it's like that you guys have been under such incredible restrictions all year mm -hmm. long. And uh, same thing with New York. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then, and then, so you know, I was looking at, like, I was looking out for my kid, my family. And I was like, where can we go with the minimal amount of restrictions on our, you know, like, I, I want my kid to be able to go to a playground, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, so we ended up coming to Texas and we found a little place. So I'm no longer nomadic, actually. We, uh, we now have a place where we're going to stay for a while. <laughs> and uh, For a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know. We miss traveling. We really do. For uh, for five years, we were traveling nonstop, and and of course, yeah. our, my daughter traveled for her entire life, and uh, we missed that. And so, but I, I think we like Texas, and so we'll, we'll be. Well, here I imagine it. that's difficult because you talked about you've never really stayed in one place for very long, and you yeah. were going on these long trips. So I imagine all that's got to be really difficult. And yeah. To be honest, I, I, as someone who lived in the same place forever and is now like figuring out on their own, I, I respect that idea of just bouncing yeah. around all over the place. It seems more fun. Well, I actually think that it, it is it's a lot of fun and, and we liked it a lot. But I actually think that this era in our life right now almost feels like a vacation because of the way we lived before. You know what I mean? Like, I, like it's nice to not have to find a new hotel or it's nice to not have to get up and drive somewhere. You know, it's nice to, to be, to not have to repack a suitcase and, 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 you know, accumulate some, like some furniture that we can lounge on and, and just, 
you know, do things that we need that we want to do that and build your cigar lounge put. where you can do your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Pretty next time next time we do a podcast, I'm gonna have like a velvet painting behind me. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, some uh, some other I'll, I'll have actually some of the strippers uh present. Uh <laughs> but you know it's 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 funny because until until we just had this moment. Uh, I never really thought about it in those terms, but us settling down kind of does feel like an op- a, a vacation. It's in like the opposite direction of most people because the yeah. way we were living before is, is like how most people go on vacation. You know, it's like that. And we were, that was our day to day. And then now our day to day is more like how other people spend their vacation time. So I'd never thought about that, but until just now, that's, uh, I'm gonna have to make a mental note of that. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting way to put it because I assume you, like myself, did not think that you would be in this, like, COVID, like, I don't know what the world looks like in Texas now, but I know in California, you can still feel some of the COVID restrictions even 13 months later. So I think that changes the mindset for a lot of people. So when we first settled here, it was last, it was over the summer. And, uh, and we, uh, uh, you know, Texas was already loosening uh, quite a bit, you know, they, Mm -hmm. They had opened bars for a moment and then reclosed them again. But, uh, you know, I remember uh, that. It was I, right around Memorial weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We, and it was just weird because, uh, I, I moved here and, you know, I didn't move here for this reason, but one of the benefits of moving here was that there's, there's places to perform live comedy. You know, I, uh, as a comedian, I never, I never enjoyed doing the zoom shows. I never like, this is great. Doing a podcast with you is great. It's great. So one-on-one yeah. com- conversation with somebody, but and try it to do the podcast. Cause a lot of times before you're just calling in and doing audio. Yeah. So this enhances it a bit, but trying to do a comedy show where I'm like just telling jokes into zoom and I might see like a whole bunch of, you know, video feeds of other people in front of me, but I can't hear their laughter. I can't uh, interact with them very well. You know, hey, you in the front, you know, blah, you know, there's none of that, uh, you know. And so it was, just, it's not very rewarding. And then also the worst thing is to like, so in a, in a comedy club, uh, if some, I can see when somebody gets up out of a seat and goes to the bathroom or whatever, you know, that's, yeah. but uh, that's, it's not usually that distracting. It's not distracting. But when you're looking, uh, when you're doing a Zoom show and people have their cameras on, and you see people like sitting there reading a book, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like they, they get up and they go to the kitchen and they don't come back for like 20 minutes of your set, you know, and like, I know like, that feeling like, or the room's dark and you can't tell if there's yeah. someone there or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? And so I didn't, I didn't want to do any of those zoom shows. And so my point was, is that when I moved to Texas, I was so happy that comedy clubs were open, uh, you know, yeah. because comedy clubs are basically just a bar. Most of them are just a bar. You know, they, they use comedy as a means to get you to buy drinks, you know, but they earn their money through the drinks. So it's mostly just a bar. Some of them are restaurants. Uh, but, you know, so we had a it was nice uh, because I was able to I, when I came here, I was able to perform comedy. Uh, playgrounds were open. You know, my daughter could go go to playgrounds. And at the same time on my Facebook feed, I got friends in San Francisco who have kids and, uh, you know, their playgrounds in San Francisco are like roped off with police tape, uh, you know, and like ours was that it, way until just, about it, November, December. Yeah, now they're pretty much open. I, I couldn't imagine spending a summer where my kid couldn't go to a playground. You know, I mean, I, it's just uh, especially, uh, you know, uh, it's just it's just awful. I mean, I, I can't. So. I wasn't going to go to California. I wasn't going to, you know, we, we picked <laughs> Texas and, 
we picked Texas. I think we picked right. Uh, you know, but we, we might not be here forever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at a certain point you'll get back on the road. Cause that was one of the things I thought was cool in there is that you talked about you, <laughs> someone had asked you like about the author and they'd never heard of you. And you said, well, that's why I'm here signing your book right now is because you've never yeah. heard of me. And I thought that was cool, but that's like just part of the process and it's fun to go yeah. touring. Yeah. Yeah. People have this assumption that like, if, uh, if you're signing the book, like it might, you know, like, uh, like I'm there, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm signing my book to try to get you to buy it, dummy. Like you don't just start out famous, <laughs> you know? You're telling me that <laughs> like, right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, you don't just start out with fame. Like I, like it, it, it's, it's hard enough to get a book into a store, you know, like that's, that's okay. First of all, it's hard to get published. Yeah. And once you get published, it's hard to get into a store. Then once you're in a store, it's hard to get somebody who's walking through that store to choose. Or for young book. people, yeah. it's just the it's hard to get on Amazon. That's yeah, the new yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. See, I like you're my translator for the young audience. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I'm I'm still I'm old enough where I know what a bookstore is. I have stepped foot in a bookstore before. Yeah. I also am someone who is a huge believer in the library, but again, I diverge from my age group in that. I, you know, I, I do everything digital. I have uh, all my music collection, movies, everything is all digital. I don't have any uh, physical media. Part of that is because I travel so much. It's like, I, I, well, I'm not going to carry a record collection or a tape, you know, a CD collection, you know, what's a CD? But, I know. Right. <laughs> but it's all, it's all digital for me, except books. For some reason, I just don't like reading digital prints. You know, I, 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 I get, I read enough Facebook and I don't want to, you know what I mean? I don't want my, I don't want to, I want to break from computer to like pick up paper. I don't know. It's just, like I will more. say the one digital print I very much enjoy is the art of taking it easy by Dr. Brian King available with the link in the bio and wherever you can buy books. <laughs> I love this guy. I love it. <laughs> he has plugged my book like eight times during this podcast so far. Uh, hey, you want to meet Sarah? <laughs> yeah, for sure. She says, no, she says, no, she says, <laughs> Why he's a fan, baby. He's read the book. He's like, he's like, come on. He's a as a podcast. He's got like hundreds of potential listeners here. It'll be hundred by the end of the month. That was great. That was fantastic. The the comedic timing on that was professional. She said no. I, I I think she's just busy. She's not, she's not no, no, she's not it's, it's okay. Time. But that, yeah. the laugh was worth the, yeah. the no, joke to have on the recording. No, I, I agree. But I don't want anybody thinking she's shy or nothing. She's not camera shy. She actually has her own uh, following, uh, a pretty substantial following on uh, Instagram and stuff. She's uh, uh, been heavily been doing a lot of modeling and things. You know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Somebody, uh, uh, I'm a photographer, uh, a hobby photographer, and I do, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, pictures. And obviously, I have a, you know, live-in model. Uh, so, and plus, I, you know, so I take lots of pictures of my of my partner and of my kid. My Instagram is pretty much just pictures of my partner and my kid. Recently, on this book promo with the libraries, so somebody read, somebody wrote uh, a review about my book and said something like, "I checked out his social media, and I could see why he's so happy." Uh, like, I, like, I, and I don't know what the implication was. Like, if you think like, well, you think I'm happy because like, I'm, I'm taking pictures of a beautiful woman that happens to be my partner. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's just a weird judgmental tone. I didn't say the quote, right. 
but it was a weird judgmental tone to the, I, to the I post. I know, you know that I mean? feeling. I know that social yeah. media commentary where it can be. Sarcastic. It's like, it's like, just because, just because I'm in my, you know, I'm, I'm like 50 now, that means I have to have like an old unattractive <laughs> partner. Well, I don't understand why misogyny has gotten passive aggressive on like social yeah. media. It's a very strange way to go about it. Oh, it's super weird. It's super weird. Yeah. I get it. Well, you've got your radio show, so I appreciate eh, we buffered a little it, bit of time on that. Yeah, right. no, I appreciate it. Uh, we have uh, we have actually a little bit of time for that. Did you have any? Okay, you had prepared questions. Do we? I know we, oh, yeah, we I, scattered. I, I, I want to make just, sure that I give I put you what you want. Talking to do. points down in case your interview, unless in case you were a bad interviewer, I had talking uh, points to go to, right. but they're just kind of well, things I was. I was I was terrible, right? We do we want to do I mean, another we one? only went through two. A, we only went through two of them, <laughs> but those were just natural segues because I. If there's anything, if there's something. anything on that list, if there's anything on that list that we need to hit or would be interesting to hit, I don't know. Shoot me the list and let's see if I think some of them are interesting. Just like what right. what ones let's do you see. Um, I was asking about a sense of purpose because that was one of the things you talked about in there. Is ah uh, yeah, that's important. Good stuff. And I, it, it's important to have like a goal to strive for. You know, like uh, be make us happy. It, it makes us happy, and it also helps us relieve stress because uh, if we know that we're working towards something, or you know, like this this whole pandemic. One of the problems with this pandemic is that there's no purpose to it. You know, what happens at the end of the pandemic? You know, it's like. We're all suffering and enduring hardships for what gain, you know, there's that. And I think that makes it more stressful than, than if we were working towards achieving some goal, you know, like um, I, I didn't live through World War II, but I know in World War II, Americans uh, did without a whole lot. They sacrificed, you know, they, and I'm not talking about people going to war. I'm talking about back at home. Like they didn't have yeah. access to certain types of goods for, because those they raw literally materials had were food used. rations, like food rations exactly, were literally exactly. a thing that existed. That would be exactly. today. And they had to endure that. And I don't think it caused the same type of stress because they had a sense of purpose with that suffering. You know, they knew that when we, if this is all for a greater good, a, com, a greater goal, you know, when I, I use the example of college, when I was in college, I lived horribly. <laughs> I, uh, I, I lived just, I, 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 was, I was broke, I was miserable, but I, well, no, I wasn't miserable. That's just it. I was broke. Uh, you know, I had very little, I struggled, but I wasn't miserable. And the reason was because I knew all this, this situation I was enduring had a purpose, had a goal, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so as long as we have a sense of purpose, that does uh, that does wonders to help uh, buffer us from being stressed by our circumstances. You know, yeah. uh, I and find purpose, you know, fatherhood provides me with purpose and uh, provides lots of people with purpose, you know, be, having a, being a parent provides lots of people with purpose. And that's one of the reasons why I think maybe it would have been better if I had known that earlier. <laughs> yeah. So that you wouldn't have been the dad whose daughter is going to graduate college when you're 63. I, every time I go to the playground now, people think I'm her grandkid or I'm, I'm her grandfather. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's just that's just the white hair. I think I, I don't I think that has anything to do with age. When I shave my beard, I look so much younger, but it also it looks strange to me now. You know, like when I'm when I'm like <laughs> you're telling I'm, me about that. I look like a 16 year old <laughs> child without the long yeah, hair and facial. You hair. look like this YouTuber. I forget his name. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
I, he looked like a Kyle either way. Mr. Beast, I still have that tab open. I, I, I remembered his name. I was kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's sorry, I didn't. Good. I didn't get the joke. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> that was a good. Uh, no, that was a good question. Uh, yeah, is there any others that you think were might have been uh, important to hit? Well, you kind of talked about it a second ago, which is just the idea of you being from a military background and going from making three thirty five in fast food and going through college and living a broke life and being one of the few dropouts to end up graduating with a like a college degree or a master's degree. I can't remember exactly what it was, mm -hmm. but that was uh, that was kind of just a cool part that I had down there is uh, I appreciate it. when did in I doubt really, all, uh, I, I was really gonna say when in doubt always go to talking about the person the other person just let them talk about themselves. Nice. Did I really put 335 in the book? Uh, I think I really it was 335 plus tips or something because that's true. I mean I remember making 335 an hour. I just like wow I didn't remember I don't I don't remember putting the ex that amount. But I remember that was minimum wage when I started working. Uh, now they talk about making minimum wage 15 bucks. And I'm just like, man, like, like, like high school me would kill for that money. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's already that way in California. Minimum wage yeah. is 1375. I, know. I, know. I think I want to go out to California and become an in and out worker. Uh, yeah, that's just nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's a nice little gig you got going there. But yeah, yeah I, I think it's interesting how that plays into who you are now as someone who travels all over the country and until like, you know, six months ago or no, 10 months yeah. ago, damn pandemic time, 10 months ago, hadn't really settled down at a certain place. Yeah, that was rough. I always wanted, you know, the, the crazy thing is I always wanted to live that life uh, when I was younger. I, when I became a comedian, people would tell me, uh, ask me like, what do you want? Do you want to, you know, what's your end goal being a comic? And people, you know, everybody's, oh, I just want to, you know, I want to be famous. I want to be do this or that. And I was like, people are like, I just want to make a living doing comedy. And I would tell people, you know, I want to get to a point where I could tour because I just want to travel. I want to live on the road. I want to buy an RV. I want to live out of it. Now I want to go to gig to gig. I never got the RV. Like that never happened. But There's I did. Time. There's yeah, still time. <laughs> we were looking into them actually before we got this apartment. We were like, well, maybe let's look into RVs. But it didn't happen. But the, um, uh, I never got to the point where I was living out of an RV, but I at least allowed, I got to the point where I was living on the road, which is something I always wanted to do. And I'm, I'm really thankful that happened. You know? Yeah. Well, let me see what else I've got here. All right. Talked about genetics. I just have chocolate chunk cookies down there. I, maybe that was just <laughs> an interesting point. But we, we kind of got into that because I was talking about myself with that. But your version of dopamine kick because you're in your, uh, your prefrontal cortex tells mm -hmm. you that you're looking for a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Yeah. My, my big, the one uh, vice that I've, that I unfortunately have developed problems with has been food, you know, and Hey, I'd also like to point out, Kyle, I know you've, you've never seen me before, uh, but this is a, uh, so you don't know what I looked like uh, when I was writing that book. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big guy. Uh, I'm, I'm heavy, uh, but I am a 90 pounds, almost a hundred pounds lighter than I was when I wrote that book. Uh, I have, thank you. I appreciate that. Many of your sports fans might appreciate the fact that I've, I'm, I'm dropping weight. Uh, the, uh, the pandemic has been really good for me in terms of, uh, of incentive to, to get healthy. Uh, you know, the true incentive was my daughter being born. 
but uh that uh, that got me to about 50 pounds of weight loss you know and then i kept yo-yoing back and forth and i would i would like i'd be down 50 and then i'd, I'd gain another 20 and be down whatever i i'm 100 pounds lighter uh than i was uh, a few years ago and uh and i'm gonna continue losing until i get back you know until i can fit into my prom dress so i think that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's gonna keep doing it that's yeah, great I, I, uh, as much as I talk about mental health in this book, the one thing about, and, and, and in my seminars and in my traveling and my, you know, the other, my speaking gigs, I talk about mental health as well. I've been very mental health focused at the neglect of physical health. And, uh, and I, I've decided that it's, 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 it's very on brand for me to get in shape. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> in addition yeah. to, in addition to obviously the personal benefits, the benefit, you know, I get to hang around with my family a lot more than I you know, otherwise, you know, so yeah, I'd like to point that out. I've, I've yeah, lost there's like four different kinds of health, which if I remember it's physical, mental, social, I forgot the fourth one now, but it's, uh, it, that, that's awesome to hear like the idea that there's a commitment to physical health, considering you are that the psychology guy who's writing books right. about how to treat your mental health and stress and taking it easy. That's uh, that's a great part. And that's cool because, I mean, you were talking about myself with exercise and that being the thing instead of picking up your phone or whatever. Right. Your, whatever. So I've lost the weight primarily by uh, restricting my calories. I, I haven't lost it through lots of exercise. You know, yeah. when you weigh when you weigh close to 400 pounds, it's difficult to exercise. Uh, it really is. And you don't get a lot of benefit from it, you know. But now that I'm uh, in a better shape, uh, I'm starting to exercise more and I can, and it's just going to continue. So if I, I'm not plugging anything right now, but if there is a follow-up to the art of taking it easy, it's most likely going to be something about weight loss and, uh, and, and just weight issues, you know, diet and exercise and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this falls, my, my current book falls into like the self-help genre, which I'm not a big fan of, but uh, you know, you write what you know. And I'm a guy who just lost 100 pounds. And so I know how I lost 100 pounds. So I'm Yeah, like, and that could know. be helpful to a lot yeah, of people. And if you're could. looking for Brian's other work, follow his Instagram That's and right. his Twitter everywhere. <laughs> you can follow. You can find me as Dr. Brian King on almost every platform. Uh, no spaces, just D-R-B-R-I-N-K-N-G. And that podcast I was talking about earlier is called On the Road with Dr. Brian King. I'm very creative with my with my names. <laughs> Even though I'm not on the road currently, I haven't changed the name of the podcast yet. So, And you can find that in the link to today's episode description if you want On the Road with Dr. Brian King as well as The Art of Taking It Easy. So anything else? I think I've gone through most of the stuff on my bullet points and our bantering. Cause I don't know how much I'll have to edit some of this stuff down, but I don't know. Whatever if I you do. I hope, I hope that, I hope that it was worth it. Was it a good podcast for you? I really enjoyed it. Like, okay. I don't know if okay. people will end up enjoying it, but I really enjoyed this. <laughs> the important thing to me is that you got what you asked for. Uh, you know, like if you, if I, Cause like, uh, you know, if I, I have a tendency to just go off and if I, and if I, if I don't talk about what you wanted to talk about, then I'm sorry. So I want to make sure I got what you, you know, something. That's just more for myself. I enjoy the banter because that's the the pure conversation of podcasts. I do want, I, I, hopefully your listeners will find this interesting and they will think, oh, well, let me check that guy out. Uh, I I, I do want them to, you know, to read the book and to get the exposure and stuff, but uh, I just like having an opportunity to reach new people and, uh, you know, you're new people and, 
Uh, I appreciate that you reached out to me. I hope everybody, you know, takes it easy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Love that. traffic with bears. <laughs> yes, bears in traffic and taking it easy. The master of taking it easy, Dr. Brian King. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.